Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you've been with us for the past two weeks, you know that we've been in a teaching series called Be Prepared. Show yourselves to be ready. Today is going to be the third message and our final message in this series. And um, if you remember, in Matthew 24, Jesus has been speaking. And it's interesting to know that Jesus is no longer speaking to the public. He's speaking directly to his disciples because he loves us and he wants us to be awake, to be on guard, and to be prepared for when he returns. And he tells three parables. The first one was the parable of the ten wise and unwise virgins. And in that parable, Jesus says that the bridegroom was delayed. He didn't come back right away. And then in his second parable, the one that we went over last week, the parable of the talents, Jesus says, now, after a long time, the master returned. Well, this morning, in our passage, the wait is over. There is no longer a delay. Jesus has come back. The king has returned, and he's prepared to reign. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray, and then we're going to open up the word of God in Matthew chapter 25. Father, once again, uh, we want to come before you acknowledging that you are our God. You are our king. But you're also our father and our brother and um, our helper and our friend, and, and you love us. And so the, the words that I preached this morning, Lord, I ask that they would, they would come out in your spirit, in the spirit that you delivered them, and that, Lord, you would do your work in our midst, that you would set us free from ourselves right now. Um, Holy Spirit, you are alive, you're active, you're in our midst and you, are the, you love it when Jesus gets revealed. That's, that's what you are passionate about. So, Holy Spirit, do, do what you and only you can do and reveal to us Jesus. Help us to get what Jesus is saying in this passage this morning so that we can not only hear it, but that we can also receive it and respond to it. Um, I'm asking this out of mercy and, and the grace that you give to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's pick up with Matthew 25, verse 31. And we're going to go all the way through verse 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Now, the day of the Lord has come. And for over 2,000 years, Jesus' disciples, listen, for over 2,000 years, Jesus' faithful disciples have been faithful to proclaim the same message over and over and over and to pass it from one generation 
to the next. If you notice this morning when we sang, everything we sang was the message that we are to proclaim. God has given his church a message, and we don't have the right to change it. Because if we do, we'll lose the power, and we will lose fellowship with God, and his love will not be proclaimed. But the message is this, that Jesus left his home, his father, came to earth as a man and dwelt among us, and he died for his people. He was buried, rose again, ascended back to heaven, and he said, I'm coming back, though. I am coming back to get you. That's the message. If that ever changes, please rebuke us, rebuke me. That is the message that we want to stay on. It's the message that never gets old if we really get it, right? We've got to continue to stir ourselves in this if we're going to be ready for his return. And listen to me, this passage, this is the day that Jesus is talking about that he wants us to be prepared for, the day of judgment, the day that we will stand before the Lord, each of us will stand before the Lord and give an account for the way that we invested the way that we spent the life that he entrusted to us. And I want to be very clear this morning that I am not up here wanting to scare anybody. Like this is, when I was reading this passage this week, there is a certain amount of fear that um, I have experienced just in the thought of standing before the Lord. That should, there should be a fear, a, a good fear, right? It's not going to be high fives and, yo, man, what's up, dog? It's not going to be like that on the day of judgment. Okay? Now, Jesus is our friend, but he is our Lord. And this is a very sobering day and can be and will be an exciting day for those who are ready, for his sheep. But it'll be a fearful day for those who are the goats. And this morning, I want to tell you that my heart's desire is to encourage the sheep and to call some of you goats to come out and become a sheep today. I want you to know that that's my heart, and that's the heart of Jesus this morning as we move forward. So if you're taking notes, I've got four gospel observations that I want to share about that day. And when Jesus returns, it's going to be, number one, a day of glory, a day of glory. Let's look at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, everybody say glory. Right, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Notice, he addresses himself as the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is is Jesus' favorite title that he uses for himself. It is a messianic title. It's, It's reserved for the Messiah, and it is a reference to the prophetic vision that Daniel had Daniel had this vision 600 years before Jesus stepped onto the earth. 600 years before the first Christmas. Daniel had this vision. We're going to look at that. It's found in Daniel 7, uh, verse 13. It says, I saw in the night. This is Daniel. I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. See that right there? There's the title. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Now, we're talking about the glory, right? 
I want you to see the glory in verse 14. And to him, who's him? Jesus was given a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. There's diversity in this kingdom, right? His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Every kingdom on earth perishes except this one. This is the last kingdom, and when his kingdom comes, and that's when he returns, then it will never pass away. So when the Son of Man returns, he is going to arrive in his glory. And what is that? What is the glory of Jesus? What is, the, what is the glory of a king and a kingdom? And to be honest with you, as an American, I really don't get that. Because we live in a, a culture where uh, there's really, uh, has lost knowing what is sacred. Have you, have you realized that, that everything has become common? There's, there's not a lot of respect for authority and um, what examples do we have in our culture for what is glorious? If we're really honest, it's, it's things like athletes and actors and singers and entertainers. Nothing wrong with those, but that's who we hold up as, as glorious. And we live in a culture that has lost um, what glory is in authority. And I was watching this YouTube video a, a while back, and there was a police car that was just parked kind of like in the middle of the street, and a man just came up and ran up on top of it and started dancing and, and mocking the, the officer inside the car. And I was just waiting for the officer to get out and arrest him, but the officer never did. It was almost like the officer was afraid to deal with this man's rebellion. And that is a picture of our culture right now. We have, lost, we have lost what it means to fear authority. We've, we've lost what glory really is. But when Jesus returns, he's going to return to reign. And when Jesus returns, it is going to be glorious because he's going to be revealed on the clouds with power and authority and glory like we have never seen. It's not going to be like the glory of man that fades like the flower and falls off. He is not returning in the glory of man. He's returning in the eternal glory of his Father. He's returning in the glory of God. And guess what? He won't be alone. Verse 31 says that all the angels will be with him. All the angels will be with him. How many angels are in heaven? All of them. Well, there might be some in this room, but... Now, it's close, Terry, very close. That was a rhetorical question. Uh, the Bible doesn't say exactly how many are in there, but in Revelation chapter 5... It says that there are 10,000 times 10,000 angels worshiping around the throne of God. 10,000, that's 100 million. And that's not saying that's all of them, but there's at least 100 million angels in heaven. 
Now, do you know how many people are in, in uh, California? 39.25 million. 39.25 million. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And get this. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it says that God sent the angel of the Lord from heaven, and he, he came down to the earth, and he caused a great earthquake. I don't know if it's like, you know, those... Uh, I'm not into Marvel movies, but I've seen the commercials where the guy comes down and, you know, that type, and the whole place shakes. Well, this really will happen. He came down, and he rolled the stone away and just sat on it. And it says that the guards, with one angel, the guards, the Navy SEALs of that day, <laughs> tremble and fall to the ground like dead men because of his presence. That's how glorious an angel is. How about a hundred million of them coming in the clouds with someone who's even more powerful who could crush all of them? That's who's coming back. That is the one who is going to be here on his glorious day. I love what John Piper says. John Piper is one of my dudes, okay, just like um, C.S. Lewis is one of Terry's guys. But he says, heaven will be left empty of its armies. All the angels will be with him. This means that the triumph is so sure that one doesn't have to cover his rear guard. No one will threaten heaven. All the armies of God on the front line with the Son of Man. Jesus could handle the conquest of earth alone. In other words, he doesn't need the angels. He is God. But the angels come to magnify him and do his bidding. What is that bidding? Just this. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. They are going to gather you and me to meet the Son of Man, the glorious one. It will be a glorious day for his sheep when he returns. And number two, it will be a day of revelation. It's going to be a day of glory, and it's going to be a day of revelation. Verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a, a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, but the righteous into eternal 
life. Now, notice that Jesus is on his glorious throne, and around this throne are all the nations, great and small, homeless and millionaires, jock, geek, and goth. Everybody's there. You and me. This day is really going to happen. And Jesus will will address each one of us, and he's looking for something. He is looking for something. And he's looking for something specific, and I want to get to that in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to look at how uh, this passage sometimes has been, I believe, misinterpreted or misused. Um, Sometimes this passage can be preached in a way that it basically says this. On the day of judgment, Jesus is going to look at your life, and he's going to see, did you take care of poor people? And if you did take care of poor people and people in need, then you took care of Jesus, and he's going to go, you're in. That's how it can be preached sometimes. But my question is, is is that what Jesus is teaching in this parable. Does the, the, does the Bible, let me ask you this, does the Bible teach that God is concerned about the poor? Yes, absolutely. There are lots of passages in the Bible that show that God is, is concerned with the poor. He doesn't want them to be taken advantage of. He doesn't want them to be oppressed, and yet they are, and that he will deal with those who do that. Um, And James 2 actually says, the book of James chapter 2 talks about that God often gives poor people faith because they don't have anything else and they see the glory of Christ. They're not distracted by the things of this world. So oftentimes the poor, not all poor people are going to be in heaven, but that he does give faith to the poor. God does care about the poor. And you know what? Um, In this church body and in in the bodies of Christ, God gives us people who have the gift of mercy. Now, we're all to be merciful, but there's some of us in this room that have a gift of mercy. You are very, uh, I'm going to use the word hyper, but I don't mean in a bad way. You have a gift of seeing the needs of the the poor people. You you want to get out and to help poor people. And you know what? That is a a beautiful thing because not all of us are gifted in that. And God has placed us in the body to help stir up the rest of the body in that area. Now, we're not going to be, I don't believe that the church is called to be, you know, our primary mission is to feed the poor. Now, that should be part of the church, but our primary mission is to preach the gospel and let that feed everything else, okay? So I don't want to teach that, uh, that this passage is 100% saying we don't take care of the poor, but is that what Jesus is trying to get at? Is he saying that, that every time that we give to the poor that we are giving to him and that it's going to enable us to enter into the kingdom? I would say Uh, No. Let's look at verse, let's see what verse, verse 40, if we've got that again. And the king will answer them. Truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, what? My brothers. Okay, I think that this is where the distinction is going to come. As you did it to the least of these, my brother. Who are the least of these? My brothers are the least of these. Now, here's a question. Is everyone, is all of humanity Jesus' brother and sister? No, no, not Jesus'. How do we know that? Because Scripture teaches this, okay? I'm not just making this up. In, in Mark, Matthew 12, Jesus' mom 
and brothers and sisters come to Jesus because they think he's crazy. He's teaching in this house. And they tell a messenger, go get Jesus out here. Tell him that his mother and brother and sisters are here. And what does Jesus do? In verse 49, it says he stretches out his hand towards his disciples. And he said, here is my mother and brother and sisters. Everyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, what is the will of the Father? We, We need to ask that. We could say that the will of the Father is to go out and feed the poor. Well, that's not the first will. The will of the Father is that we would behold the Son. This is in John 6. Behold the Son. And it says, this is the will of the Father, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That is what the will of the Father, first, what we are to do first, believe in Jesus. That is the will of the Father. A second time, at Jesus' resurrection, Um, after he rises from the dead, he tells the women, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And one more example of of this is in in Acts chapter 9, when Paul, or Saul, meets Jesus. He's taking his horse on the road to Damascus, and Jesus says, he's going, Paul has been persecuting the church, right? He's been throwing his, uh, the disciples into prison, killing some of them. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, Jesus is so connected to his church that if you mess with his church, you're messing with him. Parents and families, we're like that, aren't we? If you mess with my kids... If you do good to my kids, you've done good to me. If you do bad to my kids, you've done bad to me. That's that's what Jesus is like. And so Jesus says, in context, the least of these in this passage are his disciples. Now, is, is Jesus teaching that if you want to be saved, you need to care for his church? No. And, and if that's what we're hearing, because that's what you can hear when you read this, that, okay, if I want to be right with God. I need to make sure that I take care of his sheep. That's not what Jesus is teaching. We will miss the point. Here's the point of what Jesus is saying. That if you are a true sheep, then you will love and care for other true sheep. You get that? I mean, that's in John 13, 35. We know this, don't we? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How will you know if you're his disciples? If you have love for one another. That's what Jesus is addressing here. If you're really my disciple, you will love my disciples. Dogs dogs bark because they're dogs. Chickens cluck or chick because they're chickens. Clemson won the national championship because they're lucky. Now, why don't you amen me on other stuff? Come on. And true sheep, true sheep love and care for true sheep because they're true sheep. They're not 
trying to earn God's favor. They're doing what is in them. And again, it doesn't mean that we're not going to take care of those who are outside the family of God. That's not what I'm preaching up here this morning. We are, by the grace of God, going to grow in that and do that. But we need to be we need to understand that this passage is talking about the special care that God's flock has for one another. So when Jesus comes back, it will be a day of glory. It will be a day of revelation. And number three, it will be a day of surprise. It will be a day of surprise. Now notice that both parties, both the sheep and the goats, are surprised about something. They both ask the same question, when? The sheep go, when did, we, when did we care for you? The goats say, when didn't we care for you? You see the, the, the difference? Both of them are asking the same question in, in a different way. They're both surprised. This reminds me of, of Matthew 7.22. This is on the day of judgment too. Back in Matthew 7.22, Jesus says that many are going to come to him on that day just be, and will not enter the kingdom. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. They're going to be surprised that they don't get to enter. Because they say, Lord, look what we did. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did many works in your name. And in our day-to-day, we could say, Lord, we fed the poor. We fought for civil rights. We stood against abortion and and sex trafficking. These are all good things to do. We recycled. (laughs) And even took care of stray animals. Most of those are good things that people can look and go, look, I'm a pretty good person. Look what I've done. We did this all in your name. In other words, they're surprised. Lord, we we cared for you. We, We did all these awesome works. Now, true sheep, healthy sheep, fruitful sheep are not, according to this passage, aware of what they have done for Jesus. Look, let's look at verse 37. It says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and, and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? I mean, they, obviously they did all these things, but they're not keeping track of it. They are living. There's a difference. They're not trying to make sure they're doing everything right. They're living. They're living for the bridegroom. They're living for the master and the king because the bridegroom, master, and king lived for them and died for them and is now living in them and through them. That's the difference between a goat and a sheep. The goat is aware of of Christ's love. And he's, they're not trying to do works for Christ. The work of Christ is in them, doing it through them. Just checking. <laughs> Lord, we corrected the pastor. What did I say? I wasn't even listening. I wasn't even listening. I was thinking about the game, so... Sheep, yes, the sheep, thank you. The sheep are aware of that. In other words, the curse of self-awareness has been broken. 
and they're not aware of themselves. It is a curse to be aware of yourself. But I love what D.A. Carson says about waiting for the Lord. He says, wait for the Lord as people whose lives are so transformed by the gospel that they unselfconsciously serve brothers and sisters in Christ. So taken up by what Jesus did that they, they love serving. Now, that doesn't mean we always or have a happy face and that sort of thing. There's days that we need to serve when we don't feel like it. But when the gospel is alive in me, I love serving others. So when the, when the day of the Lord comes, it will be a day of glory, a day of revelation, a day of surprise, and it will be a day of eternal judgment. It says in verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment. Speaking about the goats, they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now we could sit here and just look at the eternal punishment and walk out of here just so depressed. And you should if you haven't come into eternal life. Both judgments, whatever happens on that day, will be for eternity. You can't change it. That's why Jesus says, be prepared now. And I want to talk to the, the sheep. This is going to be a great day for us. It's going to be a wonderful day because the very one that we've been preaching about, talking about, going to, when we fall down and he picks us up, he is going to reward us with a kingdom that was prepared for us, it says, before the foundations of the world. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a goat or are you a sheep? Do you have the heart and mind of a goat or a sheep? Because goats, listen, if you're a goat, you're eager to get credit for the things that you do. You'll say things like, I'm not really that bad of a person. Look at what I've done. I deserve, I deserve the glory. Now, we may not say it that bluntly, but that's what our hearts are really saying if you're a goat. Or even if we're a sheep, we can walk in the old nature sometimes. But the sheep, here's the heart of the sheep. They are eager to give credit to Jesus for what he has done. That's the difference. Not to us, but to your name, O Lord, be all the glory. And you know, we talk a lot about the gospel around here. We, we talk about being gospel-centered, and you might be like, James, why do you keep talking about that? Let's move on to something bigger and better. But the reason I keep talking about it, because this is what Jesus is talking about in this passage, it is the key to transforming a goat into a sheep and then making the sheep a healthy sheep. It is the key, the gospel, what Jesus did for us. And I want to remind us about something here. Jesus never commands us to do something. Listen to this. He never commands us to do something that he himself has not already done for us. You got to get that. He is not telling you to do something that he has not himself already done. He said, come follow me. Come follow, not, he's not a cowboy. Yaha, go forward, right? He's a shepherd. 
among his flock, leading. He led us by example. Everything that Jesus has commanded, and the gospel is all in this passage, if we can see it. I want to, show, I want to try to show it to you, okay? Where Jesus said, uh, where the sheep and the goat said, Lord, Lord, when, okay? I've taken that passage and I've rewritten it. And it's actually us talking, Lord, Lord, when did you, when did you do this, okay? Lord, when did you see us hungry and feed us or thirsty and give us a drink? Well, John 6, 35, Jesus says that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus quenches our thirst and our hunger. And when did you see us as strangers and welcome us? Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, Once we were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior, but now God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death, through the cross, to present us holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Lord, when did you see us naked and clothe us? 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And when did you see us sick, Lord? Jesus said, those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's in Mark 2, 17. Or when did you visit us in prison? Luke 4, 19, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the good year of the Lord's favor. Everything that Jesus judges us for on the day of judgment, he's already done it for us. And he does, he's not wanting us to try to do this on our own strength. He's wanting us to first see that he did it for us, and then he wants to live through us. And so being prepared, as I close here, being prepared is, is, is really, in one sense, simple. It's to be aware of what Jesus has done for you. Are you aware of what Jesus has done for you? And if you are, believing and embracing it, being prepared is then going and doing unto others as Jesus has done to you. That is what it means to be prepared. And if we will walk in this, then we will enter into the wedding feast. We will hear our master say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we will inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Amen? Amen. Amen.